Welcome everyone to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast. Today you just have two of us here. We are a host down because our lovely friend Haley is on vacation. So we like to celebrate that. It's good to take time off. So today you just have me and Miguel and well I shouldn't say just. I think we're good enough on our own, don't you think, Miguel? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I will keep the awkward pauses to a minimum since I don't have two people to rely on to fill the silence, so. So basically it can be a Miguel monologue if we want it to be, is what you're saying. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can rant forever. Just give me a useless topic and I got lots of opinions. Okay, sounds good. Well, today is a Q&A episode. We like to do these every now and then to give everyone a chance to bring their own, like, I don't know, issues, I guess, to us for, for solving, or maybe it's just a question that you have. Um, about being a creator, wondering how we do things, um, wanting to pose it to us to get our thoughts on it. That's what we're here for today. So please, if you're here live, leave them in the chat. And this is a good time to note, I guess, as well, that if you listen to this podcast delayed, like either watching it on YouTube after it's live or in a podcasting app, you should really join us for the live show because it is fun. We have Mike here, we have Melanie here in the chat, and Miguel also in the chat. <laughs> You know, I just like, like to come at it at all angles. I like it. I like it. Well, yeah, while anyone watching, listening right now is um, coming up with any questions for us, I thought we could kick off by talking about one that I've been getting a lot recently. And one of the reasons I'm liking doing this podcast, Miguel, is because in the content I create, I don't really talk about creating content, if that makes sense. Like a lot of creators go that sort of meta route and they will teach other creators how to make content like the content they're making and like that becomes their content. And I've purposefully tried not to do that, but it does mean that I get questions about making content that perhaps don't fit in the regular stuff. How many times can I say content in one sentence? <laughs> I lost count, personally. Yeah, yeah. If, if we weren't doing this live, maybe we could have a, a counter on the screen. But anyway, <laughs> something that people have been asking me lately, especially, is why I stream on Twitch and not on YouTube. And I think it's a good question because I do have an audience of nearly 200,000 people already on YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. So why the hell would I go over and, and start something new? I don't know. Is there something you wondered when you heard that I was streaming over on Twitch? Yeah, I mean, I guess there must be some sort of a difference. I mean, you're, I, I guess I'm assuming, is it because Twitch is easier? Is it because Twitch is more of a gaming thing and you're like gaming on it? So, or is it because you want to like separate the things that you do on different platforms to keep sort of, I don't know, you tell me why you're doing it because I'm <laughs> out of guesses. It's kind of both of those things are right. Yeah, like I was watching a lot of people streaming on Twitch and streaming games. And I was interested in doing that as well as interested in streaming design. And I just thought like, I don't know, going live is is scary. And perhaps now we've been doing this for this whole year so far. So maybe we're a little bit more used to going live, but I was did not used to feel that way. And so I felt like going live to an audience like that large that I had on YouTube was scarier than starting something new on Twitch where it was like purposefully going to be smaller. Um, and then I just came to really like the whole concept of Twitch streaming. Like it's a fun community over there. And like, yeah, the way people interact in the chat, it's got its own like culture of its in and of itself, I guess. And it's fun to be a part of that. And it's also, I think, good for us as creators to not put all of our audience eggs into one basket, you know? So I'm trying to like, yeah, spread things around a little bit and have people follow me in various places. 
So that's really the reason why. I just like it <laughs> at the end of the day. I just like streaming on Twitch. <laughs> I mean, I could just imagine. I could just imagine, like, let's say it's like the first time I'm doing an open mic night. And the first time I do it is in front of a crowded arena. I think I would just faint yeah. uh, is what I would do, you know. But if I'm like, you know, I, I threw a few chords together and I wrote a song and I'm at a coffee shop with four people that are on their laptops listening. I'm like, OK, I can do this, you know. So it's a little easier to ease into that. Yeah, exactly. So you get it. It's perhaps like on paper a weird choice and not a smart one. <laughs> but yeah, it's been working out well for me and I've been enjoying it. Yeah, we have our, a question in here from Moit. Uh, how do you even begin with creating fun educational content when you look at amazing creators online and feel like your work would just disappear in a sea of content? Oh, this is a great question and definitely one that, that I've felt too. I don't know, what do you think, Miguel? I'm gonna go to this view. Oh man, okay. So I can definitely identify with the whole sea of content thing. It's one of the things that I wonder as well. Um, I mean, I guess I would approach it as um, I always try to put myself in most situations on the other side uh, of things. So I try to approach things as as I'm creating something as if I was the person watching this or listening to this, what would I want? What would keep me engaged? What would kind of make me keep watching or really enjoy this person? And sometimes it might, might be personal style or quirkiness, or maybe they have a fun sense of humor or Maybe their approach is a little different, or maybe it's really simple, or I'm not quite sure it could be a little bit of those things or all of those things, but I mean, I don't know. You've created far more things than I have, especially on the online space, so I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah, I think that that, that calling out your uniqueness is is a key thing there, and it, and it can be hard to focus on that because... Maybe it's imposter syndrome or I don't know, we're just, we're used to ourselves, right? So we don't feel special, <laughs> yeah. but other people see things in us that are unique and like, you know, are different to them and that can make for really interesting content. And so that is definitely a good thing to lean into for sure. And I would also just really encourage you to think about like, this could be a good challenge and a good way for you to frame your content is to say, okay, this is what everyone else is doing. How can I do things slightly differently or what can I bring? Maybe it's a different perspective, a different focus. Like everyone else is focusing their content on this part of the target audience. What if I focus over here? Um, that can be a really good thing to, to look out for in this. But I don't know. I'd be curious to hear from Moet. And excuse me if I'm saying your name wrong as well. Feel free to phonetically spell it out for me. But what do you think is, is holding you back? Is it, is it the imposter syndrome of it all or is it the worry that you would put in the work and it wouldn't get the attention that you were hoping for, like that you're worrying that it won't be worth your time to make it. Cause I think that those are two very different, like, you know, problems coming up here. I don't know. Yeah. Let us know. And we can, we can circle back. Yeah. And also I feel like it's finding your, I feel like it, it's part of the journey that the fun part that sounds to me is kind of discovering what my niche can be. You know, mm. what's, what's the thing that's like really specific to me that I really enjoy. And my hope that I would, would be that I would create something hyper-specific that's super fun for me. And then discovering that other people out there had that same interest, or I just met that need for a bunch of people because yeah, there's a bunch of videos on this, that, or the other. But when I put my spin on it and make it really sort of my own, that a lot of the times the way someone approaches a topic is 
as important, if not more than what the topic or what the content is. Because like for me, I know I talk about the fact that I do a lot of woodworking stuff and there's plenty of stuff out there on how to's and stuff like that. And sometimes it's like this 50 something year old guy who's been doing it forever and maybe not so good at the YouTube thing. He just like Mm. points a camera and then just like does no editing. And it's just raw footage of him putting together something for like three hours. So then I'm scrubbing through and yeah, it's valuable stuff in there. The guy knows what he's doing, but man, is it hard to watch. Uh, And then there are guys out there that like do it, you know, like edit it in a really fun way. And like they make, they they do like jokes either where they're making jokes or like editing jokes where like, you know, mm-hmm. you said like how you were saying content 500 times, they put a count, you put a yep, counter yep, on it to kind yep. of be like, oh yeah, okay. And you, you feel like you're along for the ride and you're making it fun, but you're also like, you know, like stuff like that. Those are the guys I come back to. Those are the guys I subscribe to because like I might be here for a how-to, but I might stay for the entertainment value. And maybe I'm, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I'll just watch them while I eat lunch because it's just Mm -hmm. fun to watch. And I'm not here to try and figure out how to, you know, make a tabletop or whatever the heck I'm trying to do. So. I love that you said that because I think that's the key to building an audience with educational content is your personality and the personality that you bring to that content. Because... If, uh, educational content is great for discoverability, right? We can use SEO and things to title things in a way that we know people are going to be searching for this topic and people are wanting to learn about this topic. And so I can contribute a video to this that can teach people, they could learn, I could show up in their search results. And the difference between someone watching that video and like being like, oh, good, I learned the thing and going away and never hearing from them again mm-hmm. and them going, oh, I watched this video, I learned something and I'm going to click subscribe and join this person's email list and and stick around uh, is the personality. I guess making learning fun or interesting for people is, yeah, is really key for sure. We have this question here from Melanie. How do you balance staying authentic? This is very relevant to what we're just saying and creating content you're passionate about with the temptation to just make content other people will like and want to see. Great question. What are your thoughts off the bat, Miguel? Well, this sounds familiar to me because I feel like we've touched on this before about, I think the, the way we framed it was, you know, staying, like we, 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 it was the conversation where I remember what came out of it more than the actual way we phrased <laughs> the question, which was, I think Haley was the one that brought up that their method, this person's method was, I make one for them and one for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. That was me. I brought that up. I'm going to take the credit for it. Okay. But it's actually um, Sarah Dietschy is the person who I who I first heard say that. And yes, I think that's a great way to balance it because it is a balance, right? And you never want to find yourself making just stuff that other people want. I think that's really soul sucking. Mm-hmm. And I tried to do that for a little bit on my channel, following really closely with exactly what people were asking for and making a lot of software tutorials and things. And this is not what I'm interested in doing. And so um, it was really burning me out. And I think that that you've got to be careful with that when the content you're making isn't what you're passionate about. But you also have to be aware that that content can fuel the audience for the stuff that you do like making, right? So mm-hmm. I will make a software tutorial every now and then on my channel. I'm planning a Webflow 101 video right now because I really like doing 101, like let me introduce you to this piece of software type of video rather than the like power user stuff. So I'm planning on doing that because I know that a lot of people will find it and hopefully they will like my personality and they'll like me and my video and stick around to see the stuff that I make because I believe it needs to be made and I want to make it. 
so I think that that is the way to balance it and to make sure that it is a balance and that you're not swaying too far one or the other. Totally. If you don't pay attention to what people are wanting, then you might find your audience is smaller, which is fine in it as well. Like if if your goal isn't to grow big, it's just to, to make the stuff that's perfectly fine in and of itself, you know. But yeah, I would I would keep that in mind. My sort of go-to method whenever I have to do something that I don't want to do, but I have to, is to kind of like zoom out from it in mm. like one step and then kind of get meta about it a little bit and be like, instead of being like the guy that's just like going to read the lines and go from step one to step two, it's like, how do I be make this video self-aware of the fact that this is inherently boring? <laughs> so we're going to make it fun. This was my approach when I was a teacher is because I taught social studies, specifically government to seventh graders. So could you imagine a more difficult audience less willing to learn about a subject matter? Like, yep. could a 12-year-old care less? I don't think they could. I think they're at the bare bottom. I don't know. What about today's 12-year-olds? I feel like they're paying <laughs> attention to that sort of stuff. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't define 12-year-olds. I couldn't then and I can't now. So <laughs> I can say is that, okay, it's like, okay, so I'm going to teach these kids about, you know, the Bill of Rights or something like that. So instead of just sitting here and going through, all right, right number one, right number two, like, you zoom out and be like, hey, okay, this is going to be really boring today. So let's just like call it, call it out. So, you know, elephant in the room, this is a boring topic. And then I'm going to like purposely make fun of how boring it is. And you're going to end up really more knowledgeable about this because we spent the whole time making fun of the Bill of Rights and how great it is and what all the points are about it. So they had a great time with the lesson and they understood what I had to say. So... Uh, that's kind of my approach to it. And I've always had a lot of fun with that. So I love that. Were you someone's favorite teacher? Like with classes like that, I feel like that would be great. All right. So without tooting my own horn, I was 100% like the cool teacher. Yeah. I knew you were. Yeah. Of course you know, you I was like younger <laughs> than almost all their other teachers. And like, I kind of understood most of the pop culture references, but not to the point where it was like, I'm a 50 year old guy trying to pretend I know what's going on, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So I was relatable and, you know, I just kind of had a, made everything kind of funny and enjoyable as much as I could within the realm of teaching somebody something boring. And, you know, I inject a bunch of pop culture references into lessons and like I was a huge Star Wars nerd. So, you know, my if I had to do a PowerPoint, which I hated, I would always throw a bunch of Star Wars stuff in there that was completely irrelevant. But sometimes it made sense and uh, it helped people remember stuff because... It's like, hey, remember that thing I did about Chewbacca with the this and the that? And they're like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though it has nothing to do with that. So, you know, whatever. That's a great example, yeah, of, of bringing your personality into a topic to put your own spin on it, for sure. If you ever felt like doing a teaching YouTube channel, Miguel, I feel like you could do really well with it. <laughs> Should we go back to Moet? Because Moet followed up, um, had a question earlier on about how do you even begin with creating content when you feel like it would just disappear in a sea. We asked if it was imposter syndrome or like if it was something else. And yeah, so Mort says it is an imposter syndrome and starting from ground zero. Learned everything from creators online and I don't want to act like I know too much. This is a very valid concern, I think, because when we, you know, a, a value we have at ConvertKit is teaching what you know. And you've got to be careful you don't start teaching what you don't know, <laughs> like <laughs> teaching what, what other people have said that you don't fully understand or like, you know, realize yourself. 
But I just, I don't think that's the case that's going to happen for you here. I think that when you create content, there is a bit of fake it till you make it in terms of the confidence that you can feel in being on camera as well. Like, I, I think I've said this before and I don't like to bring it up too much in case people actually do it. But if you watch my older videos on my YouTube channel, they <laughs> are not me. I don't know who that person is talking to the camera, but it's not me. I mean, it is technically me, but it's me putting on like a confident, I can talk to a camera face, you know, and you've got to get through that awkward stage where you have to act a little bit in order to get past the imposter syndrome and to get started making things. So I hope you get started, Moet, and just, just make stuff. Tell us what you are looking to make content about. That'd be really interesting to know. Because what I think we could also do on these show, like I know we've titled it that it's a Q&A and we can answer your questions. We could also just like, you know, share what's going on for us and tell us what you're struggling with at the moment. Maybe there's not a question that you have and maybe we can't solve it. But we can at least like commiserate together. At know, least relate. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Or at least relate. Exactly. Oh, and yeah, Melanie has a good suggestion to read the book Steal Like an Artist by Austin Cleon. One of my favorite books. I always recommend it to people. Yeah. Definitely good recommendation there. Yeah, it's uh, to Moet's point, again, I also hope that I'm saying his name right. I've been in the situation, like you said, uh, some people have to fake it till they make it. I highly recommend that you do some exercises where you videotape yourself or record yourself and then go back and listen to yourself. I've, I've found mm. that to be very educational for myself, not just in catching certain speech patterns that you have or your uhs and ums and things like that. But just put yourself in the shoes of somebody that's listening to you for the first time. Try to ride it as as somebody who's, you know, somebody watching what you're doing. And would you want to watch you? You know, what are you doing that you wish you had done better that might be more engaging or something like that? You might not realize it, but maybe you're not inflecting your voice very much and you're very monotone and that's hard for people to connect with, uh, yes. you know, maybe stuff like that. Just little things that you can't possibly catch because you're literally the one speaking right now. Like I've listened to some of our podcasts in the past where I thought I was like, man, I nailed that point. And then I listened to it and I'm just like, what the hell am I rambling about? Like, dude, get it together. Like, why don't we record these? Why are we doing these live? You know, stuff like that. So you know, I think about that when we go into the next podcast and I like to think that I'm getting a little bit better. And, yeah. you know, I, I have an um, anecdote about this. So from my early test videos that I did, I realized that I just looked like I was upset all the time because <laughs> I have what is known as a bitchy resting face normally. Um, and so now whenever I'm on camera, like I'm doing it right now, I'm like purposely trying to like smile more as I talk so that people don't think that like people don't think that I'm really uninterested in talking to them. <laughs> Talk about fake it till you make it. She's just faking interest in the whole conversation. <laughs> She's depressed right now. I'm trying to make my face match what I feel on the inside. So <laughs> I'm smiling my way as I talk. <laughs> okay. I can't imagine what was going through your mind when I joined this this uh, link. So for all of you that are wondering what I mean, I joined when you join in the StreamYard thing, which is what we use for this podcast, um, you kind of come in and uh, on backstage and then... So she had this open, I joined, I'm backstage, and she's probably on another tab doing something else. 
So I'm just watching Charlie for like maybe 15, 20 seconds, just doing what she normally does to sit at her computer. Mm -hmm. And her focused face is very intense. (laughs) And I was just taking it in. (laughs) Anyone who's watched my Twitch streams has seen that focused face at some point or another when I I forget that I'm streaming and that there's other people, you know, they're watching. Anyway, (laughs) let's stop talking about our faces and answer (laughs) Anna's question. (laughs) Um, I'm just planning on starting an email newsletter by the end of the year, hoping to receive some advice on it. How should I start? Is there anything that I should know? Um, and also followed it up with like technical stuff. I haven't researched too much about it. Where should I start? Well, um, hopefully you have a ConvertKit account already. I'll just say that. Like Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, completely shameless plug. I use ConvertKit for my own personal newsletter and I do love it. I mean, I know I work here, so I'm incredibly biased, but I do love it. How to start, I'm, I'm gonna try and share my screen here. I've never done this before oh in this app. So let's see. Sorry, podcasters. Can you see right now? You should be seeing a landing page of mine, yeah? Looks good. So this is where I would recommend you start is make a landing page for your newsletter. This is mine, it's called Marketing Design Dispatch and I send it out every Monday. And yeah, this this landing page, we've got a bunch of different templates in ConvertKit and you can even set your own URL for it as well. You see here, I've got it on my charliemarie.com domain at marketing design dispatch. And there's just a sign up form for someone to join my email list and say that they want to receive my newsletter. So you said you wanted to start this by the end of the year. You could put this page up like tomorrow and start collecting subscribers to it, right? This bit here that you can see on mine is a, this is like a little sampler. So I could recommend that you do this after you've sent out your first issue. You can add a newsletter feed to your landing page in ConvertKit where I've got mindset to always display the latest issue. So if we click on this, someone can come in and see my latest newsletter and get a feel for the type of content that I send out. This one was a deep dive into the Notion marketing site. And yeah, it gets people interested hopefully in subscribing because they know what kind of content is gonna be there. So that's where I recommend you get started. Like let's take it one step at a time, make a landing page, start getting signups. Then you can worry about the email template and all that sort of stuff later on. What would you advise, Miguel? I was gonna say something very similar is just um, get that landing page up, start Mm -hmm. collecting subscribers, have some kind of a teaser in there about what to expect and get people excited for what they're signing up for. You know, give them a little taste. And if you are not there yet and you haven't even created something that can give them a taste, that's fine too. Um, Just get it up there, get something very simple um, up there because it's just nice to have something to refer someone to if for whatever reason, like let's say you happen to strike a cup of conversation with somebody or you see an opportunity online where you can just grab your URL and throw it in there or talk to somebody and say, hey, sign up here. I got some stuff coming. You know, it's like your online business card in a way. Yes, that's a good way of describing it. You need that page so that you can start getting the list um, to to send things to people. Should we go a little bit more? Like, should I show a bit more stuff about my newsletter? What do you think, Miguel? Should we should we go into that? Let's do it. I mean, we're already here. Let's do it. Let's let's get let's get into your account. (laughs) Let's get into my account. I'll show you all my subscribers. (laughs) This is my latest newsletter that went out on Monday, 19.8% open rate, not not bad. We'll have a look at the, the content of it. So I've made this, this template using one of the, um, well, I've just branded this template using one of the standard ones that we have in ConvertKit. And you can see how it matches the landing page as well. Like it's the same colors, it uses the same logo thing that I made. So that's nice, it gives people like a branded experience feel 
But the content is the most important part of the email. So I've like focused on that. And then I end it in my footer. I have like an image in my social links as well to brand that. And I have in my newsletter as well, I have this custom unsubscribe link in my footer so that if they don't want to receive these weekly emails, they can click this button to opt out of them. And this link just goes to this page that I have on my website that's just general and says email preferences have been updated. But what happens when they click this is they get a tag that says, don't send me any marketing design dispatch emails. And then I've created a segment and sorry if I'm like, if this is getting too technical for what you're asking for on it, but so this segment is saying, take all of my subscribers, except for the ones that have this tag to don't, don't send me this marketing design weekly email. So anytime someone clicks that link that I showed you, they get this tag added automatically. And that also automatically puts them in this segment of people who I should send my newsletter to. And most people have stayed around really. I've got like 24,000 uh, subscribers on my list and you know there's a good amount still in this segment but it just means that anyone who's not interested in the weekly emails can still be in touch for the other updates and things that I might send out so yeah that is some more details on my newsletter let's go back to the other view I like it when where we're, we're like you like we're, it when we yeah, like this yeah, yeah. hey what's up <laughs> podcast people are like what are we on about you've just you've been showing everybody yeah well they should be watching it live yeah yeah they should that, take that you know, like the like the old saying says, uh, some version of "Don't let perfection be the enemy yes. of progress." So, just because you don't have it all figured out, don't let that prevent you from starting. So, like Anna said, uh, "I don't know what I'm waiting for." It's like, yeah, well, me neither. Uh, just <laughs> you know, get started. Like, you can always change things. You can. You're not going to destroy your brand or your idea by having done it wrong first or Mm -mm. whatever you consider wrong to be. I mean, you're learning. You're. This is changing as you go. You're iterating. Depends on what works and what doesn't. Nobody just shoots out perfect stuff and then just you know dances all the way to the bank. That's not how it works. Yeah. And the really fun thing about when you're just getting started with a newsletter too is that you can ask your audience for their feedback. I did this a lot when I was getting started with mine was like, what do you actually want to be seeing in these emails from me? And when you're just getting started and your audience is smaller, the like the replies you get to that email will not be super overwhelming and you should better address people's concerns or take on their feedback. It's really cool to um, encourage that. I don't know. Email is a two-way thing. And I feel like sometimes people forget that. Uh, I always try and encourage people to reply to my newsletter and even have a thing in my footer uh, of my regular emails that says, yes, this is really me sending this and I would, <laughs> I will really see it if you reply. So please reply. <laughs> but yeah, it is a two-way thing. Khan asks, can you make custom HTML, CSS templates in ConvertKit? Yes. Simple answer. <laughs> Yes, you can. I don't know. Yeah. And Miguel is the one who helps people do that sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. Most people, or at least a lot of people, don't have a lot of HTML, CSS stuff uh, background. And that's okay. Sometimes I've heard people say that they thought that they had to know these things in order to really succeed or make what they want. The truth is that's less and less true every single day, especially like within the context of ConvertKit, ConvertKit, at least, we have a lot of templates that you can choose from that have been designed by professionals, built by professionals, uh, supported every day by professionals. If for some reason they're not working or they're not doing what you want them to do, our support teams help here to help you make it your brand and make it your look. 
or you can just do it from scratch. If you're really good at HTML and CSS, you can create create your own templates and just go at it. Or you can adjust what's already there. There's all kinds of options and everything in between. So yeah. So hopefully our goal is to give you that place to get started though, right? So hopefully this helped on. I really, really, really would love to see you turn up to a future one of these live streams and like just drop the link to your landing page that you've made. Or send it to me, like send it to me on Twitter. I'd love to see it. Hope hope that this helps and that you can go ahead and get started now for sure. You know, that makes me think maybe we should do something fun thing where like we can try and have a little segment in one of our episodes mm. in the future where we can kind of have a showcase of people Ooh. who who built stuff maybe since today or whatever in the last so far and just kind of like show us what you got. And if, if if they welcome it, we can give you some pointers and tips and tricks, or we can just ooh, ah, at how amazing <laughs> you did it the first time, whatever. Um, that would be fun. Yeah, that would be really fun. Something that I do a lot of on, well, you know what, I'm saying that and I'm not done for a while, but I used <laughs> to do a lot of portfolio reviews on my YouTube channel. I, I think I'm going to do a live stream and do one again, um, a session of that, where it's just like people tell me what they're aiming for, like, okay, I'm wanting to get into this type of part of the industry or I'm wanting to get this type of job. And then I look at their portfolio with that in mind and give them some feedback. We could do a similar thing with with landing pages and stuff yeah. on this show, you know? It could be like, all right, what is this landing page for? Let's look at it. Let's see if, uh, yeah, what pointers we can give or- Like a listener showcase or something. Listener showcase, I like it. Yes, listener slash viewer. <laughs> and then if you win that, then you go to the showcase showdown and you get to spin the big wheel with a number on it. Okay. This is a Price is Right reference. I don't know if you know what that is. I think that our lawyers might have issue with some of the things you're saying right now, Miguel. So maybe we shouldn't do it that way. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Promising prizes. <laughs> How dare you, honestly. <laughs> well, hold on. Back up a second. Do you know what the Price is Right is? Yes, I do know what the Price is Right is. Okay. But I don't think that we had it. Like, I only know it because other Americans reference it and joke about it, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of an institution like Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. I don't think we had Jeopardy either, um, but I know that is also from references. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else have any questions for us um, before we wrap up for today? I don't know. <laughs> Big money. I love it. <laughs> We're also really interested in hearing what topics you'd like to see us cover, like dive into detail with with all three of us when when Haley's back in future episodes as well. So let us know if any of those come to mind. I don't know. What's on your mind at the moment, Miguel? Like what 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 are you what's going on with you and your creator stuff? So okay. I'm glad you asked. Um, and it took me 35 minutes to ask how you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so in in our convert kit Slack sphere, we have a channel that it's called DIY. And that's where I drop in all the cool stuff that I made over the weekend or during the weekday out of wood. And it's just kind of like my way of like, I guess, generating pats on the back because <laughs> I don't see humans anymore. So it's just kind of like, hey, I built this thing. Do you guys think it's cool? And everybody's like, yeah, it looks cool, blah, blah, blah. I wish you could make me something like that. But we live 3,000 miles away from you. So it's just fun to be able to do that. And then from one of those things, I made this like cool lounge patio chair thing. And one of my coworkers direct message me. And this is Elizabeth, by the way. She said, uh, so how do you do these things? And I explained, I kind of like, sometimes I draw it out. Sometimes I just kind of wing it. And she's like, well, if you're already drawing it out, you need to put these plans mm. out there. And like, this is your, this needs to be your thing. 
because I've constantly gone back and forth to like, well, what do I do? I'm not sure that I want the woodworking thing to be my side hustle because it's my hobby. And I've always been afraid, or maybe this is just an excuse that if I turn my hobby into a job, I take the fun out of it. And mm. that's always kind of been my hang up. And this is one of those things where like, I think I would have fun with this no matter what. And I think taking the fun out of it would be completely up to me because of my yes. approach. Like if I turn it into a chore, that's on me. But if it's something I'm already kind of doing and I just have to take a few extra steps to be like, well, here are my plans on how to build a deck chair or an Adirondack chair or whatever, or build a deck on your backyard with some easy steps and some like, you you know, my, my thing can be here's some free plans for some stuff. That's not a lot more effort for me and I still get to build stuff. So I've, I've been thinking about it more and more and more because that actually sounds like a lot of fun. And it doesn't sound like I'm turning my hobby into a chore. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's what I've been thinking about. I'm just trying to thinking of a way of like, how do I weaponize my hobby without destroying <laughs> it? You know? I think this this sounds to me like not only like a great way to um be sharing your plans and, and doing more with that. It sounds like a great way to help more people with them. Like I bet there's so many people like Elizabeth who was like, I wouldn't have the first clue how to start to make this chair and you've figured it out. And so I can like shortcut to making something myself if I've got the plans and you are providing those plans. That's hugely valuable. I love that. And I tried that and I tried a version of that. Like, so as an experiment, I always like make things my own or whatever. I'm like, okay, you mm. know what? I'm going to find a plan online and make someone else's thing mm. and see what that experience is like to go out, find a plan and then like take it all the way to the end. So I did that and uh, I built this like outdoor chase lounge from a plan I found online that was free. And it was really cool because for the first time ever, I got to just download something and go to the, you know, the hardware store and buy exactly what I needed. I didn't have to make mm. a second trip because I didn't get enough wood or I bought <laughs> too much and I had to return it or I ran out of screws or I bought the wrong size or whatever. I just went there, bought precisely what I needed, plus a little extra in case I mess up because that's a lesson I've learned in the past. And then I came home and I knocked it out in like two hours, which normally I would have, it would take me like twice that long at least because I'm figuring it out you know, working the kinks out. And this is just like, it's all illustrated for you out, like very easy, to, like how to's and very simple steps in plain language. And I, even as somebody who knows what they're doing, I found a lot of value in that. Mm. So I can't even imagine how that would be for somebody who is trying to learn. So take that and remove all the lumber and wood work and then insert whatever it is you guys are doing. And that's also true for you, I promise. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's something I want to be doing more of is creating like plans and things that people can download. Not for woodworking. I'm not going to pretend I've ever like used a saw in my life. Um, but, you know, for design <laughs> stuff, <laughs> I'm sure there's more more of that that I can be doing for sure. Yeah, that's great. We had Emily say that this is a topic. I'm assuming this is what Emily was meaning. It's a topic we should talk about in detail in a future episode. We should find some guests who are from, who have broken out of the creative middle class and they can tell us what was necessary for taking that leap. Yes, we will take that on board. Thanks for that suggestion, Emily. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for showing up today and asking your questions, sharing some jokes with us. This is fun. <laughs> this is good. And we'll have Haley back with us next week. So we'll be back to our usual trio. Haley, if you're watching this, we missed you. <laughs> 
Also, I remember that Haley said she might show up in the comments and she didn't. So I'm just going to have to rag on her a little bit. We should rip her about that a bit next time. Yeah. Yep. A little bit. I mean, she's on vacation, so it's fair enough. Fair enough. But fair enough. also, yes. But she did say she was going to do that. I'm just holding her to what she said. <laughs> holding her accountable. Okay. That's yeah. right. Love That's her friends do. All right. <laughs> okay. I don't think we've decided on a topic for next week yet, but I have some ideas in mind and it'll be good. I promise. So we'll see you back here live <laughs> next Wednesday, 1230 Eastern. Please come join us. Hang out in the chat. Thanks to everyone who's here today. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey. Thank you.